Yo, welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Educated Food Podcast. I am one half of the Educated Food, Dr. Jeff Alexander. And I'm your other half, Jarrell. What's up? Welcome back to another week of the Educated Food Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are good to be back another week. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And as I start always, I'm going to beg you all to continue listening. <laughs> to to share it out to to help us grow this educated fool empire that we're trying to build here um because we really enjoy doing this thing and we really really hope y'all enjoy listening to us and we really want to you know bring some some new fire um here in the next coming weeks so you got to share that thing out get our listeners up so we can definitely you know keep giving you good good content for sure for sure and as we do every week Let's check in, my brother. How are you feeling? Hey, man. Um, I'm good. Uh, feeling good. You know, back in the office this week, um, back in the swing of things and just making stuff happen. Uh, it feels good to, you know, finally get back to the the normal and, and, and take care of business and all that kind of stuff like that, even though I do miss vacation. Uh, being on vacation was such a treat. So those those two weeks was, I mean, man, everything. So, yeah. How, how about you? How you feeling? I feel good. Um, like I said, I, I had I didn't have two weeks of vacation, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had about half a week, but mm-hmm. um, that half a week away is always good. Like for me, yeah. my summer, my summer, it's time for me to always, you know, reflect and, and recenter myself, um, yeah. and and plan for the future. What what this new year is going to bring, particularly in the realm of academia. Right, my new year always start in the summer, so I'm always thinking. What can I what can I do better? How can I better myself? And how can I put myself in a position to be where I want to be? So right. it was good to get away. Um, but I'm a homebody, so it's also great to be home. Um, great to be in my own bed. <laughs> For sure. So, you know, it's good. Um, you, I know you were off for two weeks, but you always got something going on. You plan on doing anything this weekend? Um, so we are not doing much of anything. Like we, we going out tonight, maybe like some stuff this weekend. Uh, I don't know, uh, with another couple, but that's about it. Uh, I don't last weekend though. We were, I mean, we were everywhere. Um, 4th of July festivities, all types of other stuff. Um, we had that Monday off. And so, um, what did we do? We did something else on that Monday. Um, we were just busy and gone all weekend last weekend. So this weekend is kind of like a chill weekend that just, you know, chill and vibe out um, and all that kind of stuff like that. Yeah, That's why I ask, because you always doing something. I'll be living always. through you. Always. <laughs> I'll be sitting at home like, I'm just, I'm just going to live through Jarrell's Instagram. <laughs> he out doing something. I might not be doing that, but I know he is. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, you know, that's that no kids life. Like, no, I'm <laughs> Yo, it's funny though. Like, so tonight... Uh, my in-laws are coming in to, you know, surprise my wife. Um, mm-hmm. And I told her sister, like, all right, but tonight I'm going to take my wife out on a date because uh-huh. we haven't been out on a date since my daughter's been born. So well over two years. Um, yeah. And that's not all my daughter's fault. A lot of it is COVID's fault. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Right. But it's just like when I thought about it, I was like, yo, we, I haven't taken my wife out on a date since my daughter's been born. So I need to definitely do that. Um and, and spend just time for us because we don't typically get that. So right. it's funny that you mentioned it because it's like, yeah, no, kids, they do kind of alter, but um, you got you to gotta make that concerted effort to make sure that, you know, you, you and your partner are still 
um, putting each other. For me, I say first. A lot of people say put their kids first, but I'm like, no, nah, it's mm-hmm. us, and then, then, then our daughters. Um, right. So, I agree yeah. with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, we were just talking about that last night, like how you know we shouldn't get so slumped into the the habit of being in a relationship. How we need to also continue to date, right? Um, and continue to practice those things that caused us to want to be together in the first place. So, yeah. And it's easy to fall into a routine. Like, it's really easy to fall into a routine and, and look yeah. at, like, oh, we, we we go out and eat, but that's not necessarily a date, right. right? Like, I just took you out to eat. I needed to eat. You needed to eat. So we went out to eat. So I'm, I'm trying to do – I'm going to do some some romantic things tonight to, to make it a date. So it's just nice. kind of like, yeah, I took you out to eat without our daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's different. It's different there. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, COVID kind of robbed us of dating these last two years. COVID is about to rob folks from performing what they've been practicing for years in front of a live audience or a live yeah. fan base. Because um, COVID 4.0 at this point, I believe, um, is out here in these streets. It's bad. It's bad, man. Like, this week, I don't even have a cancel for the culture because Mother Nature out here canceling y'all, canceling Tokyo, Olympics. Uh, and it's and it's really bad. I don't want to make light of this situation because, you know, people are literally dying from this Delta variant. So not to make light of it, but at the same time, you know, there's been some foul stuff that has been going on with the Tokyo Olympics that people have not been impressed with. And you can also see that, you know, racism has been leveraged against black people as it always is right like with regard to the port caps not being um used or being banned from being vended to the the swim athletes from you know the numerous amounts of athletes who have been declined from the tokyo olympics because of whatever unfathomable reason we also have you know um word that you know people from you know athletes from africa are are still being robbed of their olympic um uh, their Olympic chances because of, you know, testosterone levels in, you know, in the women. And I'm like, but women have testosterone. Some women have elevated testosterone level levels and that's okay too. <laughs> you know, like this isn't indicative of steroids or anything like that or indicative of performance enhancement drugs. It's just they naturally produce more testosterone than some some of the women that you see on a daily basis or some of the, the women that you see on an average, you know, participant skills so yeah yeah and it's it's interesting right because i saw um an olympic athlete gabby thomas right she she tweeted something because everybody was like because of the treatment of black people like we need to boycott the olympics right um and it's it's a topic that you know we i covered a little bit in one of our um previous episodes it's the boycotting of things and how it doesn't necessarily always hurt the people you intended to hurt or impact the people you intended to impact so gabby thomas was like it's it's heartbreaking right to hear that black people are going to boycott the olympics and not watch um when this is like this is the pinnacle of my career as a black woman right and i'm doing this for us and y'all are not going to support me by boycotting right so it's like boycotting always has that double-edged sword of like who are you actually impacting with your boycott but yeah but tokyo not having people in stands i'll go right in i see you want to hit something yeah to that point though so i did want to interject and and, and throw in what shikari richardson's response was which was very petty by the way so (laughs) shikari (laughs) 
being, you know, Shikari from the hood, very petty, very um, non-censured, very uh, don't know what to say out of mouth sometimes. So this was a moment where I was like, Shikari, girl, if you just, please just shut up. Please just, <laughs> I support you. I do. But sometimes you need, unlike Felicia Rashad, you need to know when to shut up. <laughs> and that was that time when she responded to Gabby and she was like, well, people who have not beaten me or will never beat me, always trying to come out to say whatever, blah, 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 right? And I'm like, Shikari, shut up. Where's your PR person? Please censure her really quickly. <laughs> this goes back to my statement last week. Yo, so many of these up-and-coming athletes, new artists, mm-hmm. need media training. Like they need they need someone in their corner to help them in these moments. Cause like even in Shikari's, I think it was like Good Morning America interview, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could tell she had no one helping her with that. Right. She was just being true, her real, her honest self, which is great. But once again, um there's there's times where um for her money's at stake. Like this is your mm-hmm. career now. You're not just a fast woman running in high school and college, right? Like you're trying to monetize this. So um, you, you might need some people behind you to help you uh, tailor your messages a little bit better. Absolutely. Not policing the way you talk, right? People get that, always get that confused, yeah. right? Like, oh, you want to police her the way, I don't want to police the way, but I want her to be able to express herself in the manner in which she actually is intending to express herself. Exactly. Like that's different. I'm not telling her what to say. Or even how to say it, but it's just like, yo, you need some, you need some help framing this, because exactly. they're going to take everything you say and tear it apart. So you have to make sure that what you mean to say is actually what you say. Exactly. Exactly. So, one hundred percent. And I guess that kind of gets us to the topic of the day, right? <laughs> uh, um, I had to do some research, Jeff, because I was like. I'm not too big on like ESPN and all that kind of stuff like that. But like in my research and doing this, I was like, whoa, wow. Okay. Yeah. This, the, so for those, let I'll, I'll bring us in so we can bring everybody into the fold if they're not yeah. familiar when we say ESPN and everything that was happening last week or last week and this week, honestly. Mm-hmm. Still so still going on. New York Times dropped an article about ESPN host Rachel Nichols, and I'm, I'm going to throw race in here because race is a very big component in here. So Rachel Nichols, a white woman, um, who has been working for ESPN for over a decade. Um, and the last four or five years, she's kind of been the face of NBA coverage from a host standpoint. She has her own show, NBA The Jump. Um, she used to do NBA Countdown. So like she, you know, has some teeth in the game. And New York Times released a audio clip of her talking about um, not wanting to relinquish a, a job to a black woman, Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor now is the host of NBA Countdown. She's a young black woman who's been at ESPN for maybe five or six years now. Um, and once this audio clip hit the hit the timeline, hit the feed, um, it went crazy because in this audio clip, you can hear um, Rachel Nichols saying, you know, Maria Tyler, if you got to put her on something, put her on something else. Right. Essentially, don't use me to um, don't punish me because you're putting her somewhere else. Like, that's kind of how it looked like 
she can't have my job, right? You can't give this black woman my job. That's very much how a lot of people heard it, right? Um, and for me, this is where I always been saying on Twitter, like two things can be two things can be true, and she can be wrong at the same time. Absolutely. Um, so, just diving a little bit deeper into you know what like made all this bubble up and what um, got Rachel Nichols to the point of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Rachel Nichols was and her contract was assigned to work the NBA Finals. Uh, that's what her assignment was, the NBA Finals. Last year, we all know when George Floyd was murdered, Breonna Taylor was murdered, a whole bunch of organizations, companies pretended like Black Lives Matter. Right. Um, they, re- they released statements. They did all these things to pretend like they actually cared. Um, and for Rachel Nichols, she feels that ESPN used that moment to strip her of a contract obligation that she was given and given to a black woman. So, and this is where two things could be true and she could be wrong at the same time. Maria Tyler, if you actually watch the work that she does, she is absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. (laughs) Absolutely phenomenal. Like she is great at what she does. She holds her own on NBA countdown. She knows what she's talking about. um, And she does it amazingly well. Like amazingly, she has she's so charismatic. Um, so all these things. So for many people, it looks like Rachel is poo-pooing on a black woman, right? And it's all about being an ally until you have to relinquish any of your control or your power or your privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this is where you know the conversation gets nuanced. It is not it's not meant for a Twitter feed. It's not meant for a Twitter timeline. Um, and I've seen a lot of people go at it. Um, I have my thoughts, but I want to, you know, let Jarrell speak a little bit before before I go into my 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 issues with, with the whole incident. Yeah. So while I was doing the research on, you know, this particular situation, because when you brought it up to me, I was like, uh, who? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and so I had heard, like, through um, various, like, social media outlets, uh, Instagram primarily, like, Shave Room, all that kind of stuff like that, that this was going on. But I didn't really know what was actually going on until I dived deeper. And um, when you mentioned it to me, and I was like, whoa, this is a mess. And so... You know, like you said, you know, there was a hot mic incident where, you know, um, and it's funny because she hot mic'd herself. <laughs> this wasn't like some setup that, you know, is uh, already staged or whatever have you or, or set up for her. It was literally something that she set up. She just didn't know how to use the device properly in her hotel room. And so she left it on and she left it on while she was having a conversation with um, Adam Mendelson. Um, which by the way, I do want to comment on that one too, because there's some things that I was like, wait, this ain't right either. But she was having a conversation with Adam Mendelson about this particular situation. And she was mentioning that, you know, oh, well, this is my contract contractual obligation to, to, you know, to do this. But also in the same vein of things, you know, with everything that is socially happening, you know, around the world, sometimes you can be the person that has been requested to do something, but a company snatches you out at the last minute to put someone else in place because they're the right optic for the situation or the right optic for the right time. Right. And I think this was one of those situations and, you know, 
with Rachel Nichols, she's still operating under a guise of white privilege, right? Like, well, this was mine. I don't care what you say. And, you know, even her comments about, you know, uh, Maria Tyler does this and does that, does that keep her on her stuff. She can't just come over in my lane and take my stuff. Um, and you can't, you know, bolster diversity just to say that you you did it. And then she also played... The- <laughs> the um the the minority card with regard to being a woman which yes white women are a part of a minority but you are a selective minority because you select when you want to use that minoritarian privilege and when you want to step outside of it and align yourself with white male privilege that's the the difference to me in you know what she's doing and how she's operating um and going into you know just teetering into, you know, uh, another topic that we have for today, you know, I've had those white privileges, especially from white women leveraged against me in the workplace. Um, So I know all too well how that feels to have someone say, oh, well, I'm a minority, but I'm choosing to choosing when I want to elect into my minority status uh, during this time, just so that I can get some favor over this person. Right. And I think that's exactly what's going on right now. She's trying to get favor over Maria Tyler, even though, you know, Maria Tyler was clearly the one who was asked to to do the NBA finals. And not just because she is a black voice or, you know, a black person, but because she's damn good at her job. And she I mean, she she's amazing. She's good at her job. She has a track record of being excellent at her job. She does great coverage. And, you know, I'm going to go to a male-centric place. Like, she looks great. (laughs) She does. She looks great. And the primary audience for ESPN is men. And so, you know, what not a a better person for this time to deliver that message and to deliver that coverage than Maria Tyler? I don't think there is one. Yeah. So, because I was all into the story, um, Mm -hmm. because I'm – I'm a sports geek, so yeah. I, mean, I want to go into sports broadcasting when I was in college. So, like, I love sports and I love yeah. this whole drama, right? Uh, everything you said reminds me of when a former ESPN um, analyst was talking about, or two of them, actually, Jamel Hill, who I love, yeah, and, and, and Amin El Hassan. And Amin El Hassan was like, because Jamel made all those points you made, but he was like, yes, that's what well-run organizations do. They consider all those things. And then they placed the perfect person in that role. He was like, but we worked at ESPN. We know they're not a well-run organization. We know they're reactive. So it was, uh-oh, Black Lives Matter is happening. Protest is happening. We have this Black woman. We're going to put this Black woman in this space, right? And so for some, for, so for some, they felt, so for some, there's on a spectrum of like, it was. It was all optics, right? It wasn't those things that were thought about of how talented she, how talented she is, how how much work she puts in, um, how she knows her stuff, how she is black, and it is a black issue. She's covering a black sport, right? Because basketball is a black sport at this point, uh, particularly much, yeah. in America, right? So, like for well-run organizations, that would be a perfect thing. I'm not willing to give ESPN that much credit of thinking those things through. No, absolutely not. Right. So like, that's what, that's the part that sucks for me because I tell people that all the time. Like even when I got a certain job and they were like, I'm like the only black person here at my current role. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm fine. If they hired me because I was going to be the only black one, I'll take it. 
right? Hello. I'll take it. That doesn't. <laughs> uh, I've been through that multiple times in, in college. And that's the thing. Like people, I think what, what struck a nerve with so many people is because it's so personalized. Because there's so many Black people who have been told in many realms of their life, they are only in the space that they're in because of their color of their skin. Yeah. Right. Like when I was in college, like luckily I went to a school that didn't have sports. So I didn't have to go through the the sports thing like, oh, you're an athlete. So that's why you're here. Right. But so many of my black students at schools that had sports, that's what the thought was, particularly at the school up the road where it's like 70 percent white. So a mat, they only think black people are there to play sports. <laughs> um, right. Or the affirmative action, which isn't even a thing in California. Like we can't enroll people on the basis of their skin color or their race or, or demographic background. Like we can't do that. But gotcha. so many white students throw that at us. Like you're here because you're the person of color. So they had to let you in, right? Like you got in just because you're a person of color. So I think that's why it struck a nerve with so many people, even outside of the sports world, when they hear a, a white woman and a white person say, this person only got their role because they're black. One, it like it spits in our faces. Like you get so many roles just because you're white. Exactly. Like I tell people all the time, my dream is to fail up like a white man. Like fail up like a f- white man, exactly. My dream is to fail up like a white man. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how bad I am at my job, simply because I am a white man, I get this position. Like that's my dream. Like that is definitely my dream. Um, so I think that's why I struck a nerve with so many people. But for me, it's so many layers, right? And it it got me thinking back to like this is this is what bad leadership leads to. Right. Like bad leadership leads to a hot mic incident where Rachel Nichols is trying to praise and at the same time disparaging a colleague who is um, being given an opportunity. Right. right? Because the sense of ownership that is given and the sense in that particular space where it can only be one. Like if you for those who watch sports TV and you watch any show. There's always one female in the middle of men. Like they only allow one woman to be on camera at a time in so many of these instances. So when you're talking about the NBA and there's two NBA shows, you have women fighting over these two positions with like, why why they both couldn't do it? I I don't see why. Why they both couldn't be, why they both couldn't host the show? Like why does one always have to be relegated to the sideline and just do interviews three or four times out of the out of a four-hour broadcast right let both of them host the show give them their own show yeah right and it's just the space that you know sports kind of and journalism in general puts them in um there's not a lot of women in journalism and there's definitely not a lot of black women in journalism or in spaces that are visible as it relates to journalism yeah or at least they could like give one the pre-show one both of them during the show and then one the other one the post-show like I think that that could be a healthy balance and that could be a very intentional balance. And I also think that it was a failure on the leadership's part to express to Rachel Nichols why it was that they made the choice that they made for Maria Tyler. They pit them against each other, Um, even if it wasn't, you know, on purpose and by accident. You still, again, like you said, it's a failure of leadership when you don't express exactly what your intent is. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they could have told like, hey. This is what's happening socially right now. This is what's going on in the world, all this other kind of stuff like that. We're going to have Maria Tyler like do some kind of 
push for this particular thing that we really need her to be on this segment to do this particular thing in these particular real moments and all that kind of stuff like that. And this is why we made the decision that we made. And so, you know, what we can do is give you this and then you can have that, you know, like, I think that's healthy leadership when leadership is transparent. But, you know, and, and, and sometimes you can't be transparent in leadership because there are things that you just want to shield your people away from. There are things that you don't want them to know so that they can protect themselves and all that other kind of stuff like that. But in this moment, I think what really happened is, you know, there was a failure on, um, on leadership's part at ESPN to really make this um, something that worked. And what struck me is when, you know, I saw all the comments from the folks who worked at ESPN, like, well, well, no one, you know, um, um, no one reprimanded Rachel Nichols for her comments and stuff like that. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, as much as I want to be on that side, I also think that it is not ESPN's job to reprimand Rachel Nichols, because to some degree, she she was pitted against Maria Tyler by the, the, the leadership and pushed into that zone to say those things, even though she shouldn't have. Um, and it's still her fault that she said those things. But um, I think how we got here was more so on the leadership's behalf than, you know, than Rachel Nichols, even though Rachel Nichols, I will say, I was not impressed. And I think that, the, that what you said was racist. And I think what you said was wrong. But literally, they 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 put you in a space where you could say those things and, and have that fire to say those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, um, a couple things there, right? Uh, one on the transparency piece, because I always, I I believe I am a very transparent leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people be like, you can't always be transparent, I always push back on them. Like, I can, like, mm-hmm. and I am, right? When I can't tell you something, I let my staff know exactly why I can't tell you. That's being transparent, Yeah. right? Or like a decision is made and they're like, I want to know more. There's nothing more to know. Like, this is what, my leadership has told me, and that's it. That's it. Like, that's me being me transparent. Like, yo, the president said so. I can't get more transparent than that. Yeah. I don't know what happened in that conversation, but I can tell you what happened in the conversation with me. So you can be transparent. Sometimes people just don't, they want more, that, they want more information that you just simply don't have. That's it, yeah. And then they accuse you of not being transparent. Like, I told you everything I know. <laughs> like, I told you. <laughs> like, I told you everything I know, right? Right. And yes, once again, I'll, I keep telling people, Rachel Nichols was right and wrong at the same damn time. Like yep. you can be right in saying, "Yo, y'all are putting her there because of your bad track record," right? But you're wrong for because you're you're thinking it like you mm-hmm. like you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think one thing that people always get lost in this it's it was a hot mic, right? She was talking to somebody in confidence. She wasn't. Yeah talking to ESPN. She was like, oh, I'm just sharing this with an advisor, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that gets lost in it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes. And people are like, well, I don't have conversations. Like, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. There's always conversations. There's meetings before meetings all the time. And meetings after meetings. We all tell our our family, our friends, things in confidence that we we wouldn't dare to say out in this world. Exactly. And it's like, oh, so you're you're just trash. You have trash conversations too. No, I have real conversations. Real conversations, yeah. Like, you said you've had it happen to you before. I've been passed over for something before. You think I went home and told my wife, like, yo, they only yeah. gave this person this because of that. And I know this. Right. Like, I went through a, I went through a search um, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the reason why I didn't get it because I wasn't born in this, I wasn't born in the area. I'm not Hispanic and I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. yeah. That's me being real. 
Like yep. if someone catch me on a hot mic and hearing that, they'll get mad at me and be like, oh, you just throwing out the race card. Like, no, it's a, it's a fact. Yeah. The demographic of this school in that area, I didn't fit what they were looking for. Right, right. I wasn't right. Hispanic. I wasn't from the area, and I didn't speak Spanish. Yeah. That was all I think Maria Tyler was the, the, the fit for the moment, right? She's she was the fit, fit for, for the moment. moment. And so, you know, we when we consider hiring and hiring practices, we always think about, well, what's going to be the fit and what's going to be what's needed for this particular moment? And Maria Tyler was needed for that particular moment, not Rachel Nichols. And she felt some kind of way about it. And so she went back, you know, voicing her concerns to Adam Mendelson, who I, now that's where I have the challenge, though, Jeff. Yeah. I have the challenge with that. I, I, I subscribe to your notion that she can be right and wrong at the same time, right? But I think she's even more wrong because she voiced these concerns to Adam Mendelson. And if you don't know, for our viewers who don't know who Adam Mendelson is, he's like, um, he's a, a consultant for um, the NBA. He is also the person that you go to when you want to get interviews with some of the famous named uh, celebrities for NBA, like LeBron and all those other kind of folks like that. Well, guess what? Maria Tyler also has to go to Adam Mendelson to get those same interviews and get access to those interviews. And so when she's disparaging Maria Tyler to Adam Mendelson is basically like going to to the plug saying, oh, well, this person ain't going to sell as much as I do. Or this person, you know, only has this amount of, you know, distribution and I got this wide range of distribution and this is unfair for me and all this other kind of stuff like that. So basically she's going to Adam Mendelson voicing her concerns that Maria is just an affirmative action hire. And Adam, you know, while I don't think he openly agreed I think that there was some level of um, reassurance there. Like, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's weird. And it's da, da, da. And he did that, you know, he was playing the middle there. Um, and so that didn't speak well to me either, because even if he was playing, playing the middle, like what he should have done was shut it down. Like, hey, Rachel, maybe, you know, um, what, what is the, the head of ESPN, Proterio or something like that? Um, he, maybe Proterio and, and his boys like had this idea. He should have said that. Instead, he played the middle and was like, yeah, it's kind of messed up and all this other kind of stuff like that. That If I were Maria Taylor like or, or Tyler, that doesn't sit right with me either because I'm like, yo, I got to go to you to get access to these interviews and I might get stopped as a black woman, as a black person. As we all know, these things happen because you sat there and, and complained to, to the plug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I'm not even I'm not even gonna say anything because like I'm not I'm not going to defend I don't know Rachel Nichols, I'm not gonna defend her. I don't know where her heart is. Yeah. Uh, there's been enough black men defending Rachel Nichols. <laughs> um, so I'm not I'm not gonna defend her in that regard. Um but there was there was one thing that, that did frustrate me the mm-hmm. most, and it's when they removed her from doing sideline reporting this year. Mm. Um just because the story came out. Yeah. Like this happened a year ago. Mm. Like right. everybody has dealt with this a year ago. Like if you look at Maria Tyler's uh Maria Taylor's uh Instagram and mm-hmm. Twitter, like she posted a video literally a year ago uh, talking uh-huh. about how you're gonna be she was like she was telling black women, there's gonna be times where you're gonna be told that you you got what you earned because of your skin color, you're not good enough, right? So literally if you look at that video that was posted a year ago, you know she's talking about this incident. Wow. Because as you, in the story, another black woman heard what happened and went and told Maria what happened. Hmm. And then went to HR with it. Like, hey, this is a conversation that was had. And then when she went through HR, she told Maria, 
ESPN suspended that black woman. Yeah, wow. A year ago. Suspended that black woman. For being a whistleblower. For being a whistleblower. And I think, wow. like, I'm trying to put, like, my, my HR mind on it and, and, like, the leadership. I think, I don't think she got suspended for going to HR. I don't want to believe she got suspended for going to HR. I want to believe she got suspended because she disclosed that conversation that was had behind closed doors to Maria Tyler before going to HR. That's what I want to believe. But I, once again, ESPN is not a well-run organization. They didn't think those things through. Mm. Um, I, could, but, I so, could see them creating an argument, like creating a hostile environment or something like that. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, okay. But <laughs> to remove Rachel Nichols now for something that you knew happened a year ago, once again, shows me you're not a well-run organization. Not at all. She should have been reprimanded a year ago. Not only reprimanded now because New York Times released the audio that y'all heard, that y'all had, all this stuff that you knew a year ago. Yeah. You're only doing it now because the public knows about it. So now, once again, which which shows me, once again, you are not a well-run organization. And although she was wrong in what she said, her at least her thought process behind it, there was something to that. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, y'all didn't think this thing through. Y'all just snatching me off because y'all feel pressure and have to. Right. Like, because I feel like when, when I reassign one of my staff members, I sit them down and tell them exactly why they're being reassigned. Yeah. Why a task is being taken away or given to someone else. And I don't think that, once again, you said it earlier, that wasn't a conversation that was had. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's just, once again, it's just such like, the reason why I enjoy it, the reason why I like it so much because it's so nuanced and it, it lets me reflect on mm-hmm. how I lead. Right. I eventually right. want to be a vice president one day. So, like, I think about these things. So, yeah. For me, it was a great learning lesson on how to how to work with people, how to talk to people, how to be transparent a little bit more. Um, and then it just gives me an opportunity just to show again how ESPN is um, really a trash organization. If you look at all of the black um, personalities that they had on that sh- on that network, there's literally only one who's like still there that's been there since forever ago, and that's Stephen A. Smith. But if I was making millions on top of millions, I would. Oh yeah, for either. sure. <laughs> I'm like, wait, y'all give me another couple mil to stay? I'm here. I'm here forever. Whatever. Y'all got me. Whatever. I'll, I'll help my people out in the background, but keep these checks coming. So, exactly. but outside of that, like all of the black personalities, I love is no longer at ESPN. Jamel Hill, mm-hmm. Michael Smith. Actually, Bomani is there, but Bomani doesn't really necessarily. Um, be on like Sports Center and all these type of shows. He like pops in and out. He does his own thing, which, oh, okay, which gotcha. I feel like he's kind of like he's works for ESPN, but I still feel like he's a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, he's just doing his own. But everybody else is yeah. Everybody else is like gone. I'm, I'm pretty sure Maria is going to be gone in the next couple years here. And that's another thing, right? So yeah. people started releasing information about about a contract dispute she's having. So once again, mm-hmm. it's like who released that information? Right. Yeah, because like her contract's up mm-hmm. soon, and they're talking about like under paying her under three mil or something like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. under three mil. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are rich people problems, Jesus. Rich people, problems, but to right? them, I mean, to them, it's probably like three mil is probably like a couple thousand. Like, like how we would dispute for a couple thousand for real. Um, <laughs> I mean, I tell people, rich people guys, rich people bills. 
rich people reap rich people bills that's right like rich people have rich people bills so when they be like oh i can't believe you're arguing over a couple million like that means a lot to them look at their house look at yeah. their mortgage the mouths they are feeding because they're not just feeding the people inside their home yo i get a couple hundred and my family's calling like hey yeah I saw you post that on Instagram. Can you help me get some diapers? Like, <laughs> um, I mean, my little sister think I'm the richest person in the world. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm like a check or two away from being broke. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, no. but I'm low-key living paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> get out of here. Like, get out of here. Right? So, like, rich people have those same problems. They're just bigger. Mm-hmm. They're just bigger. So, yes. I'm going to, they're going to argue for a couple mil more and I don't, I don't get mad at it at all. Get all the money you can get. Yeah. But speaking about money, money, like, I think that that's a, that's, that's a great segue into like, you know, uh, our topic for the day. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's sad when people do things to affect your bag and they leverage personal insecurities against you to you know, to, to, to affect what you have going on, you know, and to affect your bag and to affect, you know, your personhood. Like you said, you know, as a black person, you hear it all the time. And and there's probably no time that a black person has not heard this in the workplace, um, in corporate America or higher ed or whatever have you, that, you know, you are, um, that, that you're just here because you're you're, you're a diversity hire or something like that. Right. Like, those things exist. I've heard those things and, you know, I've lashed back out of those things and have been reprimanded because of those things in the past. So, um, so Jeff, I don't know how you want to go with that, but like, yeah. So from, right. So people always ask like, why do I sit on so many search committees? Mm -hmm. Right. I sit on search committees for reasons like this, Mm -hmm. right. It's because I know the conversations that are held, behind doors that borderline <laughs> equal opportunity violations yeah. as it relates to women, as it relates to people of color, when they're trying to get a faculty position or an administrator position, um, just the coded language that is used mm-hmm. um, to argue why someone shouldn't get a position over another person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's why it is personal for a lot of people, um, because I don't think any I, I know for a fact I wouldn't be cool if I knew somebody got a position simply because mm-hmm. of optics. Right. Right. Like now. And it's, this is not the situation here because this person was well more than qualified to get the role. More than qualified. But I have been in a role where I looked up and somebody who wasn't as qualified as me got a role. And I was just, and it makes you wonder, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it eats at you, honestly. Um, Cause then like it had me questioning, well, damn, am I really as good as I think I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like, like, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing everything that people say you need to do to move up and get ahead. And yet I'm stagnant and I'm not moving. So what is it about me? that is not allowing that. And so there's so many times where it has nothing to do with you. Right. 
it has everything to do with the institutional structures that are set in place, mm-hmm. um, stereotypes that are set in place. Um, and because fit, I hate when people argue fit. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're in a space where it's, if you're in an all white space, then the fit is white. Right. It doesn't matter how great I am. Yeah. Right. You won't be the fit. I won't be the fit. Uh, yeah. So like, this is where like, it just gets, so for me, it's personal for me. So when everybody, anybody asks me, like, Hey, you want to be on my search? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cause I know I need to be a voice to argue for, for that person of color. Um, argue for that woman. Um, or are you just for that qualified candidate? Exactly. Like some, like for me, it doesn't matter where you come from. Look, if you're if you're the best at the job, I'm going to fight and argue for you, right? Like I I have lost relationships because a person knew I was on the committee, thought they were going to get it because I was simply on the committee. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Like not for me, it doesn't work that way. This person was better than you. Yeah. Like they were. Like their interview was better than you. Mm-hmm. The work that they produced was better than yours. Um, and what I hate, what I hate about that is when you're on a committee and you have someone uh, that you know is applying for the job and they don't get the role. And then after the whole search is done, they come back to you asking you, "Well, what was it? I know that." Da, da, da. Like, dude, that is a violation of like that's an HR violation. I can't talk to you about the specifics of what happened behind the door. You know what I'm saying? The only thing I can do is refer you to HR, and HR should have explained that to you, or or go to the hiring manager. You know, and talk to the hiring manager about some of the things that, you know, because the hiring manager will have the full packet of everything from beginning to end for that search. Even if they were just a part of that search as the final person to interview the candidates that was brought to them from the search committee. Right. Like they'll have all the information in detail and they should know, you know, primarily what happened and where you, you know, you went off. So you need to go to, to the hiring manager or go to HR. They should have explained to you, you know, in your, that conversation that they had with you about finding another candidate that, you know, these are the things that you could have done. You have that conversation with them. I mean, and it's nothing like, I'm just one person on this committee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I am just one person on this committee. <laughs> I don't have the full say on anything. So, like, for you to come at me the way you are, yeah. <laughs> um, mm. it, it's, it puts you in an unfair position. Um, and it puts your friends, it puts your colleagues in unfair positions when you're not doing that to them. And if you try to bulldoze a candidate through a search, like, people will, people will see it instantaneously, right? They'll be like, oh, he's trying to, like, railroad this person through. And they'll shut that down immediately immediately so you have to rise up to the top in order to you know get through a search successfully and that's one of the reasons why search committees were formulated to 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 do just that (laughs) right it's it's to protect not only the university is to protect you and it was like it was another like so the whole you know eight the black woman being you know, reprimanded by HR for going to HR. There was like a whole conversation around that, mm-hmm. how people felt like, see, that's why I don't go to HR. No, that's <laughs> why you should go to HR. That's why you should go to HR first. <laughs> right? Like it's <laughs> HR, like, yes, HR is there to protect the the entity that you work for. Yeah. But they're also there to protect you. Mm-hmm. Right? So... <laughs> Go to your HR whenever something's something fishy, and keep mm-hmm. everything in writing. Like exactly, 
keep your conversations, keep your emails. Like that's why I do so many follow ups with email, um, so I can have a paper trail of what is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as someone who supervises fourteen people, right? Like I, I gotta have a paper trail. Of course. Um, so HR is there to protect me. Like, hey, mm-hmm. that's not how any of this went. <laughs> yep. Here is the documentation to show uh, all the conversations we had, all the one-on-ones, what mm-hmm. was shared, what wasn't shared. Um, so y'all can thoroughly support that employee who feels this way, but also protect me so I don't lose my job. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But some people will. Some people will try it, and they'll come at you though. Um, in the most aggressive ways. I remember when I was um, when I was at a former institution, I had uh, an admin come at me sideways because of a situation involving uh, custodial, right? Like custodial was supposed to get into um, a residence hall and clean the space because there was a parent coming with their kid. And by the time they got there, custodial still hadn't gotten there to clean the room from the former occupant. And they came back to, you know, our office and was like, well, and, and they had a fit. They were like, you know, yelling and screaming like this room is dirty, blah, 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 blah. And so the admin, you know, it was my area. So the admin pulled me in like, hey, did you call, request to have this room cleaned? Blah, 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 blah. I was like, of course I did. Like when you all told me to uh, about a couple of days ago. Well, Jarrell, we don't think that you did because they usually have a quick turnaround and that usually doesn't happen and blah, blah, blah. blah. So she created this whole situation. And, you know, and then I was like, yes, I did put in the work order. Here's the request number right here. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just getting upset because I'm confused. So when I caught her up and I was like, you know, here's the request, here's the work order request number. They just haven't gotten around. They are swamped right now. Our custodial staff is super busy flipping more rooms than just this one. And so they're going to prioritize it, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I'm not custodial. I just manage the area. My job is to put in the work request, not to manage when they get to it or whatever have you. I'm not the custodial supervisor, right? So she's like, um, she's like, I'm getting upset and I'm just getting frustrated because I've been frustrated with you and your area for some time and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you can be frustrated and you can get upset, but this is a professional environment. And so if you're letting your emotions come to, to light or whatever have you, and then I guess I can let my emotions come to light too. I'm getting upset and I'm getting frustrated too. And so it became that situation. So um, our director at the time came out of her office and was like, what's going on? And so she literally pulled us into a meeting and the, you know, she, she leveraged her tears against me. She started crying. And of course, you know, she's a white woman. And so our director sitting there like, you know, it's going to be okay. And, da, 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 da. And, and, and our director was a black woman at the time. And so she's like, you know, um, Jarrell, we just need you to step it up a bit more. It came, it, it became a Jarrell bashing session because she was upset, right? And I was like, well, why is this a Jarrell bashing session? And why is it that Jarrell has to step it up when I did what I was supposed to do? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. And so I left out the office and slammed the door, like slammed it. Now, mind you, I was being petty and I shouldn't have done that. But I did. <laughs> I slammed the door because I was like, what I'm not going to tolerate right now is I'm not going to tolerate being excellent at my job, but being criticized because she is crying right now because she's wrong. I was like, she's absolutely wrong. I showed her the work order request. It just so happened that custodial did not get around to it in time to get that room clean for that adult. And now she has to deal with it because she's the frontline person and the parent is down her throat. And so, you know, I was like, 
I don't know what to tell y'all. Like, Custodio didn't get to it. And if they didn't get to it, they didn't get to it. They got a million things going on. Y'all just have to bear with them right now. What we can do is we can do a rush order. I was like, I can give you that. And they're like, well, Jarrell, you know, we just been noticing that you've been slacking. I said, so why had, why didn't y'all bring this up to in a... I was like, why didn't you, as my director, bring this up in a conversation or a one-on-one previous? Because we just had a one-on-one last week and you didn't mention any of these things. But now in front of the admin, you want to bring these things up. I was like, I'm not going to tolerate this. And I got up and I walked out and slammed the door. <laughs> and it was just a, 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 it was a mess from there, right? The same admin was, you know, was very sneaky, very... Um, Oh, I'm a tail on you, and oh, you're gonna get in trouble, and all oh, this and all oh, that, right? And so I already knew that was the type of person that she was. And when she did that, I was just like, you know what? I've had it. I'm 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 out of here. This is ridiculous. And she's using her white tears against me. No, not gonna happen today. <laughs> she hits you with the ultimate no-no that you don't do in relationships, right? Like you don't hold things in, Mm-mm. right? No. Because and then you know, emotionally dumped all these things that you've held in over who God knows how long yeah. on any I'm person. I'm learning that. I'm learning that. <laughs> <laughs> any person, your partner, a friend, like those are the things that frustrate me the most. It's like, wait, how long is this? How long have you been feeling this way? Yeah. Because all I did was forget to hang my jacket up. Right. And now we talking about something that has nothing to do with the jacket. So it's deeper than a jacket. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a tip for those who are in relationships, friendships. Mm-hmm. Yo, if something is bothering you, let it out sooner rather than later. Yeah. Don't hold all these things in and then emotionally dump. Um, I was laughing mm-hmm. internally because I don't want to laugh over the mic when you're telling your story. <laughs> um, but when when you were saying like, oh, you were you were mimicking how she was getting angry and emotional mm-hmm. before you even said she was a white woman and cried. I knew she was a white woman and cried. Yep. Right. And that's something that um, we battle often is the weaponizing of tears. Absolutely particularly for white women. And that's, <laughs> to, to close it out and bring it back full circle to Rachel Nichols, right? That was my concern when she was going to go on her show and her statement. Like, I was so ready and afraid that she was going to pull the traditional white tears and say, you know, that's not how she meant it. She loves all people. She's an ally. Like, I thought she was going to hit that route. Nope. But ESPN only let her speak for like five seconds and then they gave it to the men to to for the rest of the segment to like protect and cover her, which is such an ESPN thing to do and why there's absurd and crazy that there's only one woman that allowed to be at a desk at a time. But anyway, um, thank you all for listening to this week's episode. Yep. Um, we are, um, we have some new stuff in store. Um, and I think we're going to next episode kind of fill you all in on, what is next steps for this podcast and how you can directly um, impact and influence a lot of our, our conversation and our episodes moving forward. So thank you for rocking with us till next Monday. I'm Dr. Jeff Alexander. And I'm your other co-host, Jarrell. And we out. Peace.